morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Good to see each of you here. And if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, maybe you're new to NCC. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And before we jump into the message today, I want to take a moment and just celebrate what God is doing um, with our Forney campus. Last week was the first week of our Forney campus launch, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, I think we have some photos yep, up here. This is our kids' area. I know all of you couldn't be there, but we had a packed house on that Sunday morning. Um, we used up, I think, almost every chair that we had. We had around 180 at our Forney campus launch and had bounce houses and celebrations, and we did food and a photo booth, and it was just an amazing start, um, a kickoff there for what God is doing at our Forney campus. And let me say this. I know all of us weren't able to be out there, Sarah. And myself, we got a chance to go out and celebrate with them and help them as they launched that Forney campus. But I want you to know you are a part of that here at the Mesquite campus. And so here's how you're a part. A lot of you have been giving financially and supporting for the past few years. And what God did last Sunday of connecting people into a local church there is because of your generosity Others of you, you serve and you've stepped up to serve so that we could send out key leaders and team members to go to Forney and be a part of that. Just your support of what God is doing. We are one church now serving in multiple communities and each of us get to be a part of what God is doing. Can we just put our hands together once again and celebrate all that God is doing? And we're so excited for what's going to continue to happen both here in Mesquite and also in Forney. Well, this morning... It's the last week of this series of conversations we've been in about the church. You know, some of you may know this. If you're new to NCC, you may not know this. But about two years ago, um, my family, we lost my dad. Um, my dad was kind of a pillar of the Escamilla family. He was a pastor in the Chicago area. And it was right at the beginning of COVID that he passed away. And I remember that time. It was extremely difficult for us, um, not only losing a family member, but at that time, everything was shut down. So we couldn't fly up to Chicago. We couldn't even drive up to Chicago and um, be with my family. We were kind of locked in our homes, um, as were all of you guys as well. And so it was just really difficult going through that time and really feeling kind of isolated and alone. And I remember, I think it was one Sunday afternoon, we were kind of sitting. Um, we had done online service together. And we were sitting at our house. And one of the staff members here texted us and said, hey, Aaron, are you guys home? And I'm like, yep, no one's going anywhere. We're definitely home. And they said, hey, can you step outside of your house for a second? And we did. And this is what we saw whenever we stepped outside. So you can see this, this video is going to keep playing, but there is a line of cars all the way down our street, all the way around the block. I'm telling you guys, but a lot of you guys were the ones that were in those cars holding signs, cheering for us, and I was just crying. I think almost everyone in our family was just bawling because it meant so much to us. And over the past, you know, almost nine years now that I've been the pastor here, I've been encouraged so much, supported so much. You guys have blessed our family in so many different ways. But this day just made us feel over-the-top loved, that you guys would take your Sunday afternoon and just drive by our house with signs, 
yelling at us, saying, hey, we're here with you, you're not alone, and making us feel like, hey, we are a part of church community that cares for us was absolutely amazing. And you guys, that is the picture of what church should look like. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, about being a connected community, that we are there for one another when we're hurting, not only when everything's going great, but through difficult times, through struggles that we know, hey, we're not doing this alone. But we have a church family. There is a body of believers that are Jesus followers, just like we are, that are there with us in our difficult times. And so I want to talk to you this morning, what does it look like to be a connected community? We've been in this series where we're talking about the church. And we've said this, the church is not a time on a Sunday morning. It's not a building or a location. But we are the church, the people of God. We are the church. And so I want you to take a moment, just turn to someone next to you, look at them and say, you are the church. Okay? So everything we're talking about this morning, we're talking about you, we're talking about me, we're talking about the people, okay, that make up this body here at NCC Mesquite. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about a connected community. And in this series, we've looked at some of our church declarations Um, Here at NCC, we have some declarations. You saw them there in that video. One of them is this. It's that we live life together. Okay? We believe that as a church, that we were not called to do this Jesus thing on our own. We were called to be there for one another, to encourage, to connect with one another. That's how God has called us to live in relationship with each other. That's what it looks like to be a connected church. And so this is God's plan. This is God's design. And so what we're talking about this morning is about you. It's not just about an organization at large. We were meant to live in relationship with each other. I was reading articles this week, and this one article um, found on this website called The People of Science. It was done by these sociologists. You can kind of see where you're at. But they said the average person has three to five intimate, close relationships that are really vital to their life. Now, before you start to argue in your mind and think, no, I have more Um, what they're talking about is, who are those ride-or-die people? Like, that is, my car broke down, and I can call you, and you can be here in 30 minutes to drive me to the airport. Or when you have to move that really heavy piece of furniture that you know just the neighbor's not going to do that, you got to call your close friend. These are the people that know some of the darkest parts of your life, like, that are there for you. We have about three to five close relationships of what they said. These are the people that really know the real you. Beyond the surface, beyond the smile of, hey, everything's going good today. Like, what's really going on on the inside of you? About three to five people. And then they said, you know, there's another circle around you. It's about 10 to 15, and they call those like close acquaintances, okay? They're the people that you're going to call or text a few times a month, right? You're definitely going to probably see them on their birthday. Like, it's those kind of exterior relationships. Maybe they don't know the deepest parts of you. But they're there, they're great friends, like you have that connection, relationship. And then there's probably about 100 to 150 people in your what they call the social network, okay? Those are those courtesy, I'll give you a happy birthday on Facebook people, okay? That's kind of what that is. Or if you see them, you're going to stop and chat, but like you're not going out of your way maybe to visit them. Like we have that kind of looser network around us. In each of those relationships, those are vital to our well-being. You may not think about that, you may not know that, but the relationships you have in your life, like they impact you. According to the Mayo Clinic, those close relationships in our life actually boost 
the proper chemicals and hormones in our body that are associated with happiness and joy. Those key relationships reduce stress in your life. Okay? So if you're highly stressed, you need to get around some really good friends because it does something to your mental state and to who you are. It boosts your self-confidence and your worth. It is vital to have these relationships. Listen to this. When you're going through trauma such as serious illness, divorce, a job loss, death of a loved one, these are the people that encourage you and pick you up, that help you with great habits in your life. Like you and I need these relationships. And as I was reading this, like once again, it not only affects kind of our mental joy, it has physical effects on our body. Okay? So the relationships that you have can actually change your physical makeup and your overall health. I think I mentioned this a couple of months ago in a message, but it is one of my life goals to live to be 100 and be really healthy. And scientists have studied what they call blue zones. If you were here, you may remember this. And this is groups of people that live longer than average. Like a vast majority of them are living into their late 90s, even over 100 years old, and they're still in really great health. And some of the key characteristics are, do they have a committed community around them? I mean, that's crazy to think about. Part of your longevity in your life is how well did you have a committed community around you? Another key characteristic is, did you prioritize family and friends above work and other projects? That you could actually live longer, and one of the key factors are those relationships and the connections that you have around you. Like, those key things are vital to our life. We are meant to live in relationship. It physically affects us. It mentally and emotionally affects us. We are called to be in relationship with each other. And this should be true of the church. But a lot of times it's not. According to a LifeWay study, 23% of American Christians um, said, I do not have a committed church that I'm involved in. So they kind of bounce from church to church to church. They go to this church for a little bit. Hopefully I'm not talking to anyone in the room. Then they go over here for a little bit. And the struggle with that is you're never really in a church long enough to build those really meaningful friendships and relationships. And then you kind of do this. Well, I don't feel like I really know anyone. I'll go try somewhere else. And then you keep kind of perpetuating this cycle where you don't have those deep relationships. But they are vital to your spiritual growth. When we say, hey, it's important that you're here on Sunday mornings, it's not because God's up in heaven checking attendance. Like, okay, I saw you. You're good for this week. You were here. We say it's important that you're here on Sunday mornings because we need each other, you guys. Like, we really need one another. We need the relationships that begin to form when we see each other on a Sunday morning when we are here. According to um, another book that was written by Doug Parks, he said this, that it is vital that within the church life, we have seven key relationships. Seven key relationships. And he said at the point where you could identify seven other people in your church that know you and, and they are committed to you, you, you're connected with them, the church no longer becomes a place where I just go on Sunday mornings. Now it's a place where I belong. They've studied hundreds of churches. When you have those seven key relationships, okay? So let's test that this morning. In front of you is a little note card. I think it says, um, what's God saying to us? Would you take that out or your phone? You're not going to turn this in. No one else is going to see this. But take out your smartphone or grab one of those cards. And I want you to just stop. Right now while I'm talking, you can do this, okay? I want you to stop for a moment and think, if I miss three weeks at NCC, 
who would be the people that would call me, text me, and say, hey, where have you been at? Are you okay? Just checking up on you. I want to make sure you're good. And can you come up with seven names? You got it? So right now while I'm talking, take out your smartphone. Okay, you can start typing those in. You can start writing those down. Okay, so you missed three weeks here at the church. Okay, who are those names where you're like, yeah, they're definitely going to find me on Facebook or they're going to text me or they're going to call me. They're going to reach out, make sure I'm good, make sure nothing bad happened to me. Just check up on me because they love me. They know me. They're going to miss my face on a Sunday morning. Who are those seven people? Now, let me stop right here. Some of you probably couldn't come up with one or two. Okay? And that is not how church was meant to be lived, you guys. Okay? We were meant to be connected with each other, meant to be in relationship with one another. You should have seven people that you know here at the church that you're like, yeah, they would definitely reach out to me if I missed a few weeks. Some of you have one or two. That's better than nothing, okay? Some of you may have not had any. That's not really great. Like, we don't want that. We don't want you to just sneak in, sit in a seat. Once again, God's not up in heaven taking attendance. He's not doing that. The purpose of church is that we're a body of believers together. We're connected in community with one another. And we see this in the scriptures. A connected community is found over and over again in the Bible and what this looks like. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to start reading at verse 42. And if you don't have your Bibles, we're going to have it up on the screen so you can look along there. And if you've never read the book of Acts, that's okay. You don't have to know very much about this book. This is the very beginning of the church, okay? So God's son Jesus has come. He's died on the cross. He's, excuse me, he's been resurrected. And this is the church starting, okay? This is the church for very first beginning. And look at what it says. This is what it says about the early church. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, if you don't know what that word means, that means they hung out together a lot, okay? They were always with each other. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you know that word, okay? You get that. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who, were, who believed were together and had all things in common. They began to even sell their property and possessions. And they were sharing with each other as anyone might have need. This is a picture of a connected community in the early church, okay? And I want you to think about this. What God's scripture is saying, this is the picture that God gives us of what the church should look like. When all of this first started, when all of this began, this is the image of what the church should look like. Now, we should be a picture of this church. I'm not talking about wearing sandals or robes, okay? But look at these parts of what they're talking about, how they would hang out together. They broke bread, so that meant they ate meals together. They were in each other's houses. So if you were Jesus followers, it was kind of common practice that you would invite other people over. Hey, let's eat a meal together. You were talking about what God was teaching you, about how you were growing spiritually. And you were even willing to sell things. If you had someone else and you knew there was a need in their life, you were willing to go above and beyond to say, how can I meet that need? God, what can I do to make an impact in their life? This is the picture of the early church. And being a connected community takes us loving like God loves. Being a connected community takes us loving like God loves. That's how we're called to treat each other, loving like God loves. Jesus says this in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new command I give you, 
love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay? Look at what Jesus is saying. Now, this is on the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. The next day, he's going to die on the cross. So this is really important. These are some of the last words he's going to speak to his disciples. And what does he tell them? I want you to love each other as I have loved you. Okay? How did Jesus love? If you're not familiar with the story in the Bible, Jesus was willing to die, to go to the cross, to give his own life so that we could be brought back into relationship with God. And that's what he's saying. That's how strongly I want you to love one another. That's what your love should look like to each other, okay? So just look around this room really quickly. I'm going to have you do this a few times this morning. Are you loving people like that? Because that's what Jesus said. Look at what he doesn't say. He doesn't say they're going to know you're a Christian if you have a cheesy bumper sticker on your car. Or not by some Jesus t-shirt that you're wearing. That's not what he says at all. He says if you get this love thing right, people are going to be like, wait, that's one of those Jesus followers. That's a Christian. That's someone that's reflecting who God is just simply by the way that you love one another. A connected community means we love each other as Christ loved us, that we're willing to sacrifice. Hey, you've got a need in your life? I'm there for you. We're willing to take a Sunday afternoon and sit in a car and honk past our pastor's house just to let him know he's not alone in this thing. That's how we are called to be there for one another, to encourage, to support one another. This is what a connected community looks like. This is what Christ is calling us to. This is how the church has always been, that we're called to love as God loves. In Acts chapter 2, we see this as the church is first starting. I just read you a verse from there, but a little bit earlier, like this whole thing is beginning, and there are 17 different nationalities, language, and people groups that all converge in this one area, and they're listening to the followers of Jesus, and thousands are added to the church that first day. And that's what the early church looked like. So once again, just look around this room, and it is a beautiful picture of what the early church looked like, okay? Some of us are a little bit older. I'm not going to make you raise your hand because some of you dye your hair. That's okay. Some of us are a little bit younger. We're, we're kind of new to this journey that we're starting off with. That's, that's great. We have different racial backgrounds, different community backgrounds that we're coming from. Different people make different paychecks in this room. All of that is so powerful that we can come together and we can love one another and encourage one another and support one another and A Christian theologian from last century, Francis Schaeffer, he said this, our relationships with each other is the criteria on which the world will judge. Is their message true? He said this, Christian community is the final apologetic. What that simply means is Christian community is the proof that the story of Jesus is real. They're going to know you're his follower by the way that you love one another. And can I tell you, the world needs more of NCC. In a world that wants to divide us because our skin color is different, in a world that wants to separate us because we make different amounts and have different amounts in our bank account, in a world that wants to tell you, you can't talk to people that voted for them 
Or you can't talk to people that voted for him. Like, you can't do that. In a world that wants to constantly separate us, the church should be the picture where all of that doesn't matter if you wear a Cowboys jersey or a Packers jersey or an Eagles jersey. Like, we are in this together, and that's okay. Although we see some things differently, we are united in Christ. Do you guys get that, church? We have got to love each other like God has loved us. That's the picture of the church. And let's just be honest, some of you, you've tried this church thing before. And maybe you were like, no one talked to me, I didn't know how to connect with others. Maybe some of you have even been hurt by church in the past. And you're like, I went to this one place, and man, it felt like everyone was against me. And I want to bring you back to this verse, love like I have loved you. How many of you have ever disappointed God? How many of you have ever frustrated God? Yep, and for some reason, God keeps loving us. I don't get why, but he keeps loving me, and he keeps loving you. And so he says, can you do the same thing for someone else? When the church messes up, maybe when they don't reach out, or they're not as nice as you think, or someone says something that they shouldn't have said, like, can you forgive them just in the same way that I've forgiven you? You guys, we have got to love each other like God loves us. There's this um, chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You've probably heard this if you've been at a marriage ceremony somewhere. Um, it's known as the love chapter. It says love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor. It goes down through this whole list. And when this guy first wrote this, like it had nothing to do with marriage. He's actually talking to the church. He's writing to a group of people and it would be read in a setting just like this. And he said, if you want to know how to treat one another, this is your guideline right here. Are you patient with each other? Are you kind? Don't envy. Don't boast. Don't be proud. Like, don't do those things. Don't dishonor. Don't be self-seeking. Like, love one another. Trust each other. Hope for each other. Persevere with one another. He's writing this to the church, not to a husband and wife. He's saying, this is how you should treat one another. And you guys, this is the kind of church that we are called to be. It takes time. It takes intentionality in order to be that kind of church. We have to get to know one another. So one more thing um, I want you to do here this morning is I'm just going to give you a quick second. I know we did this earlier, but maybe you just did a quick hi. Hello, how are you doing? But don't get out of your seats. If you can, maybe someone in front of you that you didn't come with, someone behind you, I want you to just find out two things about them that you didn't know before you came into this room, okay? So if you can, um, look around you. You can choose two of these. Maybe you have something else, okay? This is not a time to open up about your deepest, darkest childhood secrets, okay? That's not this moment right here, okay? This is just, let's get to know some things about each other. Favorite food, favorite restaurant, favorite song, artist, um, hobby, sport, dream vacation, maybe TV show, movies. You can add to that, but just turn around right now, okay? Take about 90 seconds. Find someone that you didn't come with, maybe, um, and just ask them these two questions or pick two of those.
Okay, I'm going to bring the conversation back. Hopefully you got to talk to someone, and if you didn't, you can, um, you can do this after service as well, get to know someone. Hey, I want to challenge you with this. Um, it's this, that being a connected church takes caring for the needs of those around you. I want you to realize that. Being a connected community, it takes caring for the needs of those around you. It is easy to come into this room and say, what is the church going to do for me? That's not the kind of attitude we want to have. We want to look at, Lord, how can I be the church to someone else? How can I look at caring for the needs of others around me? How can I connect with someone that maybe really needs to be encouraged, that needs to be lifted up? In Acts 2-4, I read that to you, but all of those who believed were together and had all things in common. They began to sell their possessions. And said, hey, you have a need. I want to help take care of it. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10, it says this. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Just a few verses earlier in Galatians, it says this. Bear one another's burdens, and thus you will fulfill the law of Christ. You want to know what God wants of you? He wants you to help each other, to bear one another's burdens, to lift, each up, to, to lift each other up, to encourage each other. We need one another, you guys. We desperately do. And if you hear nothing else from this message, let me, I want you to just zone in on this right here. This is vitally important. The number one trick that I believe the enemy will play is he will isolate you. He will. What he wants you to believe is if people knew the sin you were struggling with, they wouldn't want to be around you. If people knew what you were feeling inside, the depression, the anxiety, the stress, they want you to have everything together. You need to just stay by yourself. Hey, what you're going through, no one else has experienced that. No one else is going to understand it. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to reject you. The number one trick the enemy will play is if he can get you alone because then he can mess with your mind. That's what he wants to do, church. That's why God over and over tells us to be connected to one another because of this reason right here, he wants other people that are going to come alongside of you to encourage you to say, hey, I've been through that. I remember that when I lost my dad, Eddie reached out to me. He's lost um, a parent. And so he said, hey, I know what you're going through. Can I help you? And I needed that kind of encouragement, you guys. I needed to know someone else had been there and gone through what I've gone through. We need one another in that way. When you're struggling with depression, when you're like, hey, Pay, bills are piling up and I don't know how I'm going to get out of this or when you're going through any transition in your life like we desperately need each other even when you're having doubts like God I can't hear you I'm praying it doesn't feel like you're there you need other people that have walked through that the enemy wants to isolate you and say just stay alone stay by yourself figure it out and when you get everything together then you can get, connect back to church and that's not God's plan he wants us to be connected to one another. This is what Christ has called us to. Bearing one another's burdens. Being there for one another. We are called to be a connected community. I want to pray for you. If you would take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. I've been talking a lot about relationships here. But I just want to first start by asking. If there's anyone in this room. And you would be honest and say. Aaron, I'm not doing too great in my relationship with God. Like. I know you're talking about connecting with others, but I've not taken that first step to really ask myself and reflect on how am I doing with Jesus? Like, how am I doing with God?
And the Bible is very clear. Our sins, our mistakes, our rebellions, telling God, hey, I don't need you in my life. I can do this my own way, is what separates us from him. And God was not okay living in a world where he was separated from his creation. So he came. He gave his life. He lived on this earth. He walked here for 30-some years, living as a human being to feel what we felt, to go through what we went through. And then he died and gave his life so that we could be brought back into right relationship with God. I promise you, all of us have tried. We can't be good enough on our own. We can't try to fix ourselves. Once again, that's a lie of the enemy to say, hey, you've got to be perfect or you've got to have this thing figured out. You don't. We're all a mess when we come to God. And it's just honesty God wants. God, I can't do this by myself. I keep messing up, Lord. I don't get it right, but I really need your help and I want your help. God wants a relationship with you. And if that's you, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. But we don't want anyone praying this alone. So would everyone in this room, would you repeat this out loud with me so no one's praying this by themselves? Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I admit that I've sinned. I know I've messed up. I want you to forgive me. So I invite you in. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Give me a brand new start. I pray in your name. Amen. Now can you put your hands together and just celebrate with anyone who prayed that prayer? I know we say this every week. I don't ever want it to go old. The Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing. The angels are dancing and celebrating when even one person prays that prayer to say, God, I've been disconnected, but I want to know you more, God. I want you to be in my life that all of heaven rejoices and we are celebrating with you this morning. And if that's you, we would love to help you keep growing and knowing more about God and knowing what does it mean to be a Jesus follower. And so there's a great first step to go to newcommunity.co slash connect track. And connect track is just a class. We have it, I think, a few times a month here at NCC, and we're going to talk to you about what does it mean to follow Jesus, or how do, what do we mean when we say Jesus takes away our sins or forgives us of our sins. This is a great class where you can ask any question, where you can be open and honest about some of the questions you have, and our leaders are going to help you continue to grow and know what it means to have a relationship with God. There's one more way that I want us to respond this morning. We talked about this, but we um, are starting in February different groups. Some of them are going to meet here at the church. Some of them are meeting at homes. If our group leaders could start to make their way. When you walked in, you may have noticed some tables around the room. And we just want to give you about three to five minutes. Once again, I know we've gotten up and down a lot. But we want you to go to one of these tables. And we just want you to have a conversation. Find a group that connects with you. Um, we have a softball and a basketball group over here. We have a young adults group, young couples men's and women's Bible study. Um, we have another couples group that's meeting over here. And so there's a lot of different groups happening um, both on Wednesday nights and other times during the week. We have a crafting group. So if any of you guys love making crafts, like that may be a great um, group for you to connect in. And so we're going to give you about three to five minutes. We want you to stand up from your seat, go talk, sign up for a group, find a way to connect in community. This is our desires that all of us could build those relationships. So this isn't dismissal. After about three to five minutes, make your way back to your seat, um, and we'll close out our service together. But let's take a second. Let's do that. And um, once again, young adults and young couples is back there. 
softball, basketball over here. Crafting and couples group is over here. Men's and women's Bible study right in the back by the wood walls. Take a second, find a group that you can connect with, sign up. Once you've done that, make your way back to your seats.